A new year is a new chance to focus on you. You're probably already picturing yourself struggling at the gym, but not all self-help has to mean suffering. Squeeze.com is making it easier than ever to elevate your wellness by delivering a juice cleanse right to your doorstep. It's the easiest juice cleanse you'll ever do that may aid in weight loss, eliminating bloating, clearing your skin, boosting your energy levels, improving sleep, and breaking bad eating habits. Meet all your health goals from the comfort of your home. Get free same-day local delivery or fast free delivery nationwide with code WONDERY today at squeezed.com. Hey everyone, it's Raghu back with Mind Rolling, and I have got with me a very, very special person, Lori Spagna, and Lori is uh, a woman of many, many talents, and uh, I'm happy to have you here. Welcome, Lori. Oh, thank you. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, uh, we're going to do a, a lot about animal communication and uh, and beyond and healing and so mm-hmm. on. So, uh, and there is, who is that? This is Emma, Emma. or Shasta. So if really you're watching uh, on, on YouTube, <laughs> <laughs> there's uh, the cutest she, little dog. When I'm, when I'm doing interviews and stuff, she always has to be on my lap. So I figure if we just get her on my lap, she'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> So, and then we're going to meet Maya. They can meet up a little later. Uh, so we were just, we were just getting to know each other. And I, Laurie said, well, is there anything that's taboo that I can't talk about? I said, I can't think of anything whatsoever. I never do that. And the only bugaboo that I have going in my life is, um, is Trump. And that's only a bugaboo, and uh, and I related to Lori that Ramdas used to have a picture when he was alive of Trump on his altar, so that he could communicate with the soul and remember the soul, not the incarnation and the actions. Separate that out. And I said to Lori, "Yeah, no, Ramdas did that, but uh, I'm not quite there yet." And Lori said, "I'm there." And that's okay. Next, you said something about Ramdas. I thought it uh, puts him in a different light. What do you mean? Well, I just, that's a very human side of Ramdas. I appreciate mm. that. Mm. I appreciate his, his honesty about his humanness in being challenged by a figure, you know, known as Trump to yeah. be, to, to remind, to his Ramdas is admitting in that sense, his human self his mortal self who is challenged to remember that Trump is a soul being of God, just as we all are. And in so choosing to remind himself that he put him on his own altar, that's a beautiful Mm, human side. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, from the very get go, Ramdas was very much that being very Mm -hmm. honest about all of his foibles and so on. So we Mm -hmm. could all go, okay, yeah, we're all human. It's okay. Mm -hmm. We'll get through it. So, yeah. okay, tell us a little bit about you and uh, how you came up in this life and kind of where and 
you started, I, I know, realizing at a, at a very early age, you had experiences which, which uh, obviously said you are not necessarily your mind, your emotions, and nothing else, your ego and nothing else. So can you let us know? Well, I, I mean, a little bit about me is, um, first of all, I, I loved Ram Dass in my earliest days. He was one of my earliest teachers, you know, in that sense, in the physical world. Mm. And, um, you know, I, I did a lot of learning through that lineage, you know, Ram Dass, Wayne Dyer, like a lot of that old, I call those people preceders. They preceded our, this ascension journey going on on planet Earth right now. And, but in any case, my journey was that I, I really started coming online or awakening more fully when my brother died of an unexpected drug overdose. And I started getting messages him from him in the non-physical. And I took me like a year or two even to unpack that and just start mm. realizing I wasn't making that up and I wasn't hallucinating and it was real and I was getting real messages and so I started following initially his guidance, which was like, you're on the same trajectory as me, which is like, at that time, I was like smoking excessively and drinking excessively and inappropriate relationships and just, you know, overeating and just, just everything was a mess, overspending. And so I, I took my brother's guidance and quit my, at that time, six-figure job. And I moved to Maui. Well, I was inspired by Wayne Dyer. Oh, about really? moving to Maui. Oh. He was when in was, that, you know, that Ram Dass community. Yeah. And it was almost 20, it was about 20 years ago. Uh-huh. And I moved to Maui. I became a dog trainer. And well, I started dog training before I moved to Maui, but I started getting messages from the dogs. And they would, I could hear them and they would say, we'll teach you. You listen to us. We'll teach you. We'll help you know what we're here for. So I started listening to the dogs. And then I realized like, wow, I could do all this telepathic communication, not just with dogs, but with anyone. And then I started getting into all the healing arts. I was doing massive amounts of meditation while I was living there. I was doing all kinds of healing, you know, Reiki master, Theta healing, Akashic records, on and on. And my gifts start really opening up and it, you know, in Maui. everything in Maui, it's a vortex. Yeah, right. It so is, it amplifies it everything. Yeah. And it just took off from there. I had what really culminated that was, I had, um, excuse me, I had um, a first contact experience while living in Maui, right? Ship overhead, (laughs) teletransport on ship. Oh yeah, that was wild. That opened up everything. That was just, in in addition with that, I was studying with this um, master of like the, what you call the Kung Lun arts or the, you know, Taoist, Taoist, to uh, ancient Tibetan philosophies and teachings, and I was learning about how to still the entire physical experience and to become awareness itself, so that the physical experience basically becomes nothing because it is nothing, and that pure awareness could remain. And I activated mm-hmm. enough uh, DMT in the brain naturally through this process and with his help that I had what's called a little death so that it's not a physical death in a hospital, but it's a little death in the sense that the DMT takes over naturally, not through any hallucinogen. And so it's a completely transcendent experience of being dead <clears throat> in a sense. This mm-hmm. is unknown to most of our experience, most human experience, but it's real. Anyway, that opened everything. And since this then- This is in Maui. Yeah, that was while I was living in Maui. 
Wow, you had a lot. And since then, I've you know been doing this kind of workouts. It's really wild. You also, yeah, no, I can only imagine. (laughs) You also talked about a death experience, an NDA in Maui. Is that true? Yeah. Tell us about that. Well, in a in a non traditional sense, that's what that was. Uh Because what happened was I was going. Yeah, I was going every week to this um, practitioner, this practitioner's circle where we were learning how to work with energy, and we were actively working on becoming awareness itself. And we would do lots of different energy practices. And what happened was, it was my I had a dog at the time. Her name was Kenya, and she physically died while I was in Maui. I was in so much pain. I showed up to the circle, and I went to the teacher, the master. And I was like, can you please help me to know where she is? Please help me to have the experience of meeting her in the non-physical. And he did. So what he did in that circle was, and the circle every every week we met, it was two a two to three hour group. He took, and I don't know how to do this, but he took the essence of who I am. And he basically held my consciousness in a sense, in the essence of who I am within like his hand, I was in the middle of the room and all I knew was that I became nothing. I, I was dead, but I, I knew that I was aware. I became awareness itself. And I was aware. I was aware of myself as an individuation, but I was nothing and no one, this is what happened. And I'm in this circle. And all I know is that it seemed like, well, first of all, in that experience, which again is called a little death because my physical body was alive, but I was no longer, that was, I was not my physical body from my awareness was no longer existing. Were you outside your body? No, I was no longer. Where was the perspective? There was nothing. No perspective. Well, the perspective was that I was awareness. I was aware of all that was. There was, and so in the space of awareness, but there was no physical, the physical experience became nothing. Hmm. There was no physicality. So from that space, energetically of my awareness, I got to meet up with my animal companion and we had a wonderful experience. She was like, I love you. You know, there's no death, please. You know, it was beautiful, really beautiful. And then I had lots of connections with other living beings who were awareness itself there were certain points where I realized I could hear everything and everyone everywhere. There were certain points where I could like see everything everywhere. And yet there was nowhere. It was all here. It's really cool. Right. Incredible. Be experience. here now. It sounds like. It does. Have, it, it is. <laughs> but in any case, after a certain period of time, the master teachers said, okay, it's time. I started to become aware again, like, Oh, I am. I am. I am still me. He snapped his fingers. I popped into my body in a sense, but the physical world became real again. And then in the circle, Mm. there were about 20 people around me. All they had to do was take one finger and touch me. My body was full of this, I guess you could call it electromagnetic energy. I used to call myself like floppy. I used to call it floppy fish syndrome because the body can't hold that kind of charge, right? And it just, you're flopping around in this ecstatic bliss and everyone in the room is just, all they have to do is touch me with one or two fingers and they start popping around in ecstatic bliss. And we must've stayed there for at least another hour, all curled up in these kinds of like fetal positions, hysterical laughing. 
because the euphoric bliss is so, I don't even, how do you say that? It's just beyond anything we typically experience in the human reality. Mm-hmm. It's funny. You know what, Lori? What? This happened with Ramdas and a bunch of us in India when we first went to meet our guru, Neem Karoli Baba. And we were way up in the Himalaya. It was as a result of a of a, a, a an ethnogen, closely uh-huh. related to DMT, by the way. And uh, yeah, it, we all took it for a week. Okay, we were in this state just mm-hmm. off of the what vibrations were going on in him. That's so I was mm. personally experienced what you're talking about. It's pretty amazing. Mm. So cool. Oh. Yeah. If more people could connect with that in a real tangible way, I think that people would start to realize, you know, that's the, that, that energetic is what we're trying to embody. I believe as we start to embody that, those kinds of frequencies, we become incapable in a sense of indulging for lack of a better word, in the pain and suffering of the human experience. We just, it's just not in our frequency bandwidth. So, because it displaces those frequencies of that kind of euphoric bliss. Sorry, my dog just jumped out. They displace the frequencies of what I call like the lower realm energies that we associate with, you know, pain and suffering of any kind. Misery, you know, hopelessness, sorrow, grief, regret, remorse, shame, blame, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think that's like, that's what's going on right now is that we have an opportunity as humans to make a choice to change the energetics that we're embodying. You know, and we don't have to do it through, um, you know, I don't think that we have to have a DMT activation. I mean, I was blessed and lucky to have that. You were, but it doesn't have to be that way. We can do it ourselves now through conscious meditation and through healing practices and being in sacred circles and sacred community where we're actively working, you know, with that intention to make mm-hmm. that energetic shift in our in our beings. Yeah. And, and isn't it so, though, that there are, little every day every week every month every year shifts that happen once you have the intention to change the energetic as you put it and then you start doing the work that's necessary to allow for that to happen but even these little moments that you know it's not i mean one as you just said one fell swoop bang you you are that which is and it doesn't necessarily come to that. It has to do with incrementally. I mean, I know over my lifetime, and since you know, I met uh, Neem Karoli Baba when I was, you know, early twenties. So over these years since then, I know that spaciousness and change of perspective and energetic change, all of it has happened um, as a result of, of, of many different factors, but certainly the first one is, is just the intention to not be lost. And, uh, and I, that's hopefully what, uh, we provide going forward with what we're doing with Ramdas as he left a couple of years ago and we continue to share what it is that he had to offer, which was, uh, potent in relation to being able to see a way forward to change the energetics. Yeah, absolutely. It's so true. It doesn't have to be this, you know, 
big, huge, massive thing. It is incremental changes. Minute changes are what ultimately lead to the massive change. Yeah. Yeah. It does. It's just, that was my journey. I think the reason that that was what my journey was, was that I was on an accelerated path on purpose. I think that was part of my soul's agenda and that, that that's connected to my core mission here. Um, mm-hmm. And my core contribution on earth, but it doesn't have to be, you know, pack up, quit your job, move to Maui, go yeah, be right. alone yeah. on the island, you know, talk mm-hmm. to no one for two years and have a near death experience in a first time. Doesn't that, it's not typically that for most people. Yeah. 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 Let me tell you a little bit about, uh, cause we, I want to talk about um, communication with these incredible beings that we have around us, many, many of us. So I I know, I think you actually have done some talks or even put out a book or two about how to cultivate extrasensory perception, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I probably have failed your class, uh, you know... Uh, <laughs> Many, many times. And I've been there. And, you know, I've been, uh, miracles were like in front of me all the time when I was in India and first met this being. So it's not nothing to do with that. I just don't have that propensity. And uh, one day, I actually had a friend who had uh, psychic ability. And uh, she said, look, I'm, I'm going to be somewhere doing this, a, a restaurant or something. Just come by. We can have some food and, you know, hang out. And then we did that. And then at one point she said, I know we've done something, you know, with you personally, but do you have any um, desire to see what's going on with a pet that might have been um, deceased at this point that was meaningful for you? And I did have that a number of years earlier. I had a dog that got, that I loved dearly and I was really close to, to her. Her name was Sheena. And as a family, we had this dog and moved and into a more urban place. And she got hit by a car and had a really bad hip injury. And it got fixed. So she was able to live out a number of years uh, from then. But that was always in my mind that that had happened. And I said, okay, why not? You know, it was frivolous a little bit on my part because I didn't have the belief. Anyhow... She goes in and describes everything that happened with this dog, okay? That, mm. you you know, specifics, like what happened to the leg, the kind of operation that happened, you know, the whole, I was like, oh, oh, boy. And then she said, and she's saying to you, it's all okay. Don't feel guilty. And I am now, uh, I don't know, some s- sort of, archangel or something, uh, you know, that I am looking out for you. If you need anything, just ask. Okay, so before, of course, she said everything about this dog that only, you know, I knew, uh, basically, or, you know, my wife, my, my children. But I just was like flabbergasted, okay? And then I started to have a little bit of a new appreciation for and I believe everything is real. It's not like okay, I was had doubt about that. It was just my own personal experience just wasn't there. It's not in my makeup, you know. Third eye is not open, uh, kind of a thing. And anyhow, this happened, 
And so when I, I bumped into you somehow online and we, we arranged all this, it was a big part of it was going through that experience. So, mm. yeah, can you start to talk a little bit about the way, what, that, what is really going on, you know? And I have, I've had dogs a good part of my life and I know that there's communication going on all the time. Sometimes I'd like to know a little bit more about what the heck you're thinking, I'm looking over at my dog. Mm. Can you just... Well, let me say, first, the way I see animals, I mean, this is through my personal perspective and lens, is that the animals, because of what they've endured at the hands of humans, mm. they are like versions of God itself, that God said, I, I will bear this, these things that the humans are going to do in the name of science or research or food or whatever we, you know, entertainment, whatever we do to the animals that is just unjust and unfair to do to a living being, in my opinion. So I see God itself in these animals that God took on this, this role as itself in an, in a body, knowing that this, these bodies would, experience great suffering at the hands of human for human knowledge, wisdom, expansion, learning experience, and through, through, through its own experience of non-judgmental. That said, I, through my communication with animals and telepathic communication, exchange of information and energy, is that these beings are basically extremely evolved beings who are anchoring in the greatest virtues that humans are developing. The virtue of magnanimity, for example, the ability to love anyone and anything regardless, regardless, that includes Trump, <laughs> um, you know, going back to our earlier part of our conversation. Um, so, he didn't have a dog, know, but he needs a the, dog. The ability to forgive without having to learn forgiveness, mm. another example. So the animals embody the greatest virtues in the energy and consciousness of those virtues that we're learning here as human beings evolving. Of course, within us, we don't have to learn them. They're within our, our knowing because we are aspect of the divine, right? That, divi that divinity is in each and every one of us. But our human identity, our mortal selves, going through the human experience doesn't remember. So we have to reclaim these knowings and the animals anchor in this energy. That's the first thing. But on an everyday thing, let's just say, the animals who live with humans typically are teaching their humans some kind of behavior or way of being. They're always, as all things are, mirroring to their humans, either the way the humans are being or the way the humans ideally will become or are what they're meant to learn. They're also the ultimate sponges. So they're psychic sponges and, and energetic sponges, like the ultimate empaths. So if the human is going through some kind of physical dis-ease, the animal that they live with typically sponges that up to whatever degree is possible as a way to heal their human mm -hmm. and also to reflect it back so that the human can learn and grow and evolve. So for example, we know this is very common, like in the healer community, cancer is a need, a calling to learn forgiveness, to embody the energy of forgiveness. So if a human is carrying resentment or grudge or anger, some, some wrongness that has been done in their life, 
very often the animal will absorb that energy and get cancer. That's an ex- just in one example. And then with hoping, with the intention that the human will learn forgiveness through the experience of whatever is transpired. So in other words, this is just one example, but this is what I mean. The animals are the teachers and the healers to the humans they live with. And then if you take it to animals, and I'll I'll pause after this, but animals who live in nature or in the wild, um, they typically are healers for the area geographically where they live. So for example, whales and dolphins are the healers of the waters, for example. If you go like elephants are the healers of the earth, they're also the holders of the records of the earth, which means the Akashic records. So you can find about out about the history of the earth through elephants, for example. Same with whales. Whales are the history record keepers, so are dolphins, of the waters and marine life. So every animal has purpose for humanity generally speaking, to help humanity to awaken, to help heal and resolve issues related to the local area where they live and or the family they live with, and to retain information and knowledge and records that we may have lost connection with. Make sense? Yeah. it's of course, reminds of uh, Native American uh, culture and how it was so closely associated with all of the animals around them in one way or another with the kind of honoring and respect that uh, we've, we've lost, most of us. So that's another excellent reason for us to look at this, which is why, again, I was happy to bump into you to really look at this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, even if you don't have the kind of in-depth relationship that you've had and understanding through your abilities and so on. Everybody knows the kind of comfort a dog or a cat gives people and, mm-hmm. and the way in which uh, I think, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, most especially in the first six months or so when it was really locked down, there was no more animals, no more dogs in the pound. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's when I got this dog. I could not. Oh, you did? Yeah. And I mean, I'll never forget because I was searching for my next animal companion for about three or four months. And I finally had to go into like this meditation prayer and call upon the animal kingdom and be like, where's my dog? Like, I'm meant to have a dog in this incarnation. And I like, I literally petitioned the animal kingdom to bring forward my right animal because I couldn't find an animal. <laughs> you can see all the, all the um, not-for-profits were, you know, without animals because everybody had adopted them, yeah, but for sure. Yeah. And just to dovetail on what you were saying about how comforting they are, like my happiness level went from like through the roof when I got this dog, because it was like, I had been mourning the loss of my recent dog before her who had transitioned a year earlier. So I was just, when she came in, the, the joy skyrocketed, you know, just by having her. It's mm. totally true. You know, our yeah. animals do that for us. Yeah. They're, they're, they're loved ones and joy embodied. Yeah. Sure. I, I had a traumatic experience. I have, it's still somewhat there, which is that uh, I got separated, moved across the country and I had to leave behind dogs that I was really close to several mm-hmm. of them. And, uh, you know, uh, in terms of 
how that was, that's part of what happened uh, when I got this uh, new animal, new dog named Maya. Mm. And uh, it has, there's been a healing there. And I know it's uh, the obvious thing, getting another dog, you put attention there, but it's more than that. And I know that, that there has been that just because of my, um, you know, just mindfully looking inside that uh, that hook isn't there the way that it was before. Mm-hmm. So I, I yeah, I'm, I mean, I have experienced this. So the healing mm-hmm. part of this is as real as it gets. It's one of the most common things that animals, especially animals in the afterlife, will say is that they really want us to celebrate our lives with them, celebrate how they helped us when they were in form or with us embodied and to, to not have that, not, you know, not have those feelings of guilt or regret or shame and instead to recognize the contribution that they made, like that's their greatest, their greatest joy from the non-physical is when we celebrate the lives that we shared with them mm-hmm. and everything we learned from them, because from their perspective, it's like, you know, in a sense, like they're gaining their angel wings in a way, like, ah, successful mission accomplished, <laughs> you know? Yeah, really. So mm, very cool. Yeah. How the uh, other thing too, if I could say one other thing yeah. is recently uh, I do channeling, you know, I'll channel the consciousness because there's consciousness at every frequent, you know, consciousness is all there is ultimately, right? We know yeah. this. So it's very easy to unify with consciousness at any frequency and bring forward that consciousness. For me, it's easy. So recently I connected in a channeling session with the consciousness of the shark kingdom. And the shark kingdom was talking about, yeah, you. How the hell did you do that? Come on. Well, because all consciousness that. exists, right? So it's no, but it means of, you go by in a boat out into the no, sea no, no. to get close. It's never limited to time or space. It's all <laughs> through dimensions of awareness. So I'm just merging with a dimension of awareness where that awareness exists, and I just I'm at one with it. I become one with it. Hmm. So. The sharks were talking about how their mission and purpose on earth is to help humans to realize the um, the ridiculousness of fear, hmm. <laughs> to navigate the realization, to come into the realization of unnecessary fear. And that is like the purpose, in a sense, one of the major primary purposes of the shark kingdom. That's it was fasc- It's fascinating. Really? Right? Wow. Yeah. yeah. And well, they were you in the channel. I'm going to put this on my YouTube channel because in the message that they were giving was saying like, um, you know, everybody is so afraid of sharks. And yet we really have no interest in eating or biting humans. We really have no interest. Like there's nothing to be afraid of with us where we have no interest in humans. All right. Well, somebody up the coast here in California got eaten recently. Okay, but I just want to say that what they were saying about that is that in the cases where it does happen is typically it's because the way they navigate their world with their physical senses is they don't know uh-huh. until they bite into something what it is. And then the other and part then animal I would say, instinct is there as well. Yeah. Well, the other part, what I would say is, and this is more from my own consciousness about animals, not so much that the shark said this, but that there are 
also reasons why things happen. Like if a human's carrying some kind of major trauma from being bitten by a shark and they're here in this lifetime, maybe it happened to them in another lifetime or they took that fear on energetically, then they play that out. I mean, there's all kinds of reasons why things happen Mm -hmm. from a spiritual growth and evolution perspective. That doesn't mean that a shark is here to eat humans. Yeah, no, I I don't. That was a little bit of a... Pun. Lighthearted pun. Yes, yeah. um, I'm with you. <laughs> so, one thing that's really, oh, by the way, you see Maya in the background there on the chair? Oh, yes. There she is. She's very contented there. Yeah, she's the best podcast Do you know, dog I ever had. I have like two flies flying around here. Do you hear? I don't hope you don't hear them, but I'm amazed. No. That I'm almost like, <laughs> what are you? Are you in a warm place? Yeah, I'm in Florida right now. Oh, that's And I why. was outside all day, so they got in. Yeah, there you go. There really you go. annoying. Yeah. <laughs> Talking about animals. Um, well, one thing that, of course, is so uh, difficult uh, for people who love uh, animals and dogs and cats, most especially that's who we're living with for the most part, uh, is their passing. Mm. And uh, that grief i have found it to be no more or less than the grief of a, a human being and uh yeah talk about love is love yeah love is love, love is love not fade away is the song it's goes. not limited to a to a type of body animal body i mean i had the worst pain of pains of my life were always when one of my animals transitioned. And I would just say, I would be, I would never have made it through if it wasn't for the healing that I got from loving healers who, who could facilitate that in spite of my own gifts as a healer and an animal communicator, I still needed a third party to help me because the energetic grief is overwhelming partially because we are wired as beings in the physical world, we're wired into the experience of separation and we need to resolve that. But also yeah. because the love of that being, even if it is available to us in the non-physical, which it is, the love of that being feels lost when they're not embodied. And that's real. Those are real experiences. So hmm. all I can say about that is number one, the healer, if it, that's the time to go to a healer because carrying the grief and the pain and suffering is not evidence of the love. It's just evidence of the pain of the loss. So going to a gifted healer who can help really to lighten, to lift that energetic and because all energy can be transmuted. Right. And that actually liberates the space to make a deeper connection with the animal, even after they transition. Because we can continue to stay connected. And I get it. It's not the same thing as having, you know, the cuddly physical, but knowing and having a real connection with them in the afterlife is still a very beautiful thing. And the alleviation of the burden of the pain and suffering, because it's just not necessary for us to carry it, you know, once we're ready to let it go. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's actually people who are not particularly um, open to dogs or cats or, you know, that's just not their thing. They didn't grow up like that. 
And so I, I know people who have lost animals who, who get a bit of a, shall we say, shoulder shrug, huh? A kind of a thing. And that makes it even more difficult, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just, uh, as you started this whole thing, love is love. That's mm-hmm. it. Love is love. You know, to differentiate that in terms of loss uh, is, is really a, a, a tough thing to, for people to, to hold on to, mm-hmm. you know. Well, people who don't get that, it's because it's all, again, it's one of those things where they're kind of wired into the human perspective that's based on this old paradigm of hierarchy, right? The old hierarchical paradigm that, you know, love be- with a human is superior, with another human is superior to love with an animal com- companion. That's a hierarchical structural way of thinking when that's not reality. Do you know? It's just yeah. not love is love. And what, you know, when you're in love with your companion, that your animal companion is your your family member and the depth of love that you can share with an animal companion is not limited to the fact that they're an animal. So, and I mean, I just mean that in the purest sense of the word, you know, of love, like we have the, we have such, we humans have the capacity to love so deeply, so richly, so fully, but we have to open to that. We have to allow that through. And that's part of the human experience is in remembering that and re- re-allowing that to be the experience that we have and choose. And if we're not having and choosing that experience, chances are we're still in this old paradigm of this hierarchical structure that we're referring to, where things are better and worse, less than, more than, greater than, you know, not equal to mm. um, you know, some old external, you know, the, all that, all of that, which is just not even a fun game anymore. It's why it's mm. collapsing on earth. It's Big just not time, even fun. No? It's just I mean, the polarity in yeah. this country now uh, over absolutely everything is insane. And I like what you're saying because right. look at it inside ourselves. That's where it starts. Yeah. That's what's got to be healed. Yes. And the solution to the polarity is divine neutrality, which does not mean you don't care. It means you have the capacity to be able, like I'm functioning more and more. What I've been really working on is like being pluralistic which to me is like allistic. It's like, I I can, I see this side with no judgment. I perceive this side with no judgment and all other sides. Like the more perspective I have, the more views that I can see from, perceive from and accept and love and acknowledge them all, then the more rich and fulfilling experience is, but I can only get to that place if I can be divinely neutral about anything. From this divine neutrality, now I'm not stuck in any one point of view. I'm so divinely neutral that I can open up to see all points of view and perspectives, all reasons for being, all energies, frequencies, vibrations, no right, no wrong, just all that is. But it's through the divine neutrality that allows that. Not the polarity. The polarity just keeps us stuck in duality, limitation, lack. That I, it's not I, even fun. It's not, yeah, it's not, not even fun interesting at all. anymore. No, but there is a reality, Laurie, I think, to when you speak of right or wrong, which right or wrong is the center of polarity uh, when it's coming at 
people come at it from judgment, from mm -hmm. bias, from all of that. Of course, mm -hmm. that's true. On the other hand, there is, um, you know, there is a reason for uh, justice. Justice is real. Mm -hmm. And to contribute to justice, social justice, racial justice, the haves and have-nots, all of the uh, things that are upside down in this culture right now, I think then, yes, I, I do believe we, we do have to see it from all sides and, and not be so absolutely polarized so that you can't even think that, you, you may believe it, but you can't, absolutely cannot contributing contribute rather to uh justice if you are so polarized inside mm -hmm. it's nothing's going to happen and you know this is something ramdas used to talk about a lot around social action uh that you are th there's no copying out of it because every every minute action from you know the way that you dispose of your garbage all those actions, the way you water your lawn or you don't when you're in California, you know, there's so many different things that come into this that, that consciousness needs to be there. And to help change, you know, he used to say, of course, you've got to change yourself first if you're going to think anything's going to get accomplished, which is to get into that place where we see all views. But to mm -hmm. to get there means to, uh, at the same time, be taking whatever social action uh, you feel that you can take that would contribute to the betterment of uh, mankind. So, well, I want to say I, I love what you brought up about justice because it's so funny. I, I, have had, I have had to work on that within myself for so many years. The need, justice as far as I can tell, is the need or desire to right a wrong. And when I was healing that, you know, that part within myself, I used the word healing, resolving that wanted justice, the wrongness of the world. I eventually realized that that was the, that was the part in me that was trying to come into alignment with the divine. In that through the internal shifting of coming into alignment with my own divinity, with the divine source, in choosing to align myself, I was naturally righting the wrongs that I perceived to be the lack of justice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. yeah. So but it's simultaneous. This is not something yeah. you do and then you try and do something good. Right. This is happening simultaneously. And the thing is, is that the whole like social action, like we're very taught in our society now, and I'm not, I'm not poo-pooing on this at all, but we're taught like the way to write things is through the physical world, oh, right. change it in the physical world. And I just, again, I'm not poo-pooing on that. Like when I see garbage on the street, I pick it up. Like I, you know, I'm telling the universe, like I want to live in a world where we respect and honor mother earth. I pick up this garbage because it's in front of me here. So I get that, you know, I'm not saying like, if you're motivated or inspired to go help at a, you know, not for profit somewhere, of course, take whatever right actions are right to you. But what I'm saying is, is that, and I know that you agree, is that the internal change is where the change really happens. Because as we change that energetically and vibrationally and, and stop seeing the wrongness naturally things reorganize 
-hmm. The other thing is we have great power in the realms of consciousness. We don't always realize how much change we can make. So like when we start telling in a very conscious way, the quantum field or the divine, the intelligence of all that is, what is acceptable to us and what is not acceptable to us. In other words, using our free will to affirm to the universe, this is acceptable to me, this is not. We have to do it from neutrality, you see. The universe will counts our vote. Our vote is counted. Yeah. So if we're in a struggle, it's like, oh, you're still in polarity. You're in struggle. So, okay, you have to get into the world of struggle. But from the moment you're really divinely neutral and you start affirming, this is acceptable, I agree to this. This is unacceptable. It's against my free will for it to continue. That has a a quantum effect. It's a very powerful way to make change once we realize we can do that. There are issues uh, around the fact that many people on a spiritual path, and I have experienced this with people, they get into a cave mentality and I'm going to get myself together and I'm going to be in this bubble. And then um, at some point when I feel I'm ready, I'll be able to come and be the Messiah. (laughs) That kind of bullshit. I mean, I did that. Yeah. That was the whole go away to Maui for two years thing. Yeah. I totally get yeah. that. I've done it a million times in different ways in my life too. And we all have, right? Um, because we're projecting <laughs> so much uh, stuff all the time. But uh, that's why I loved what Ramdas did for decades. Talked about work on yourself. And by the way, you call this neutrality. Uh, we could use the Buddhist term emptiness. When mm-hmm. you become empty of the, you know, the old little me, me self, uh, you're able to really then have so much uh, spaciousness for yourself and then for everybody else around you that you're able to take these ac- take any kind of action, whatever you feel is necessary, and, and it'll be accomplished because you're, coming, you're not coming mm-hmm. from the ego, my story, my motivation place. So, yeah. Um, by the way, do you, I'm sure you do know who Temple Graden, Graden is, is that her name? Temple Graden. She's an autist. Oh, well, then you would love it. They did a movie on her years ago, and I just saw her again. She's an autistic woman who has been advising uh, for many years uh, the meat processing industry, for instance. And they ask her, why would you do that? These horrible people, because I want to bring to the table kinder ways to deal with these animals when they're being mm-hmm. slaughtered. And mm-hmm. yeah, so she brought in a whole bunch of new methodology that allowed that to happen. And she also mm-hmm. advised people around pets and so on. And so on. Oh, you'd love to. Uh, and by the way, um, you guys who do show notes for this podcast, find Temple and uh, she's got a couple of books. It would, be, it would go perfectly in sync with uh, what Lori represents. Um, anyhow, mm, that was just a question. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, yeah, that was just a question. Definitely want to check her out. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so what, uh, what, okay, let's take a real life thing. I have a dog in the background named Maya. Mm-hmm. And um, 
I'm going to take one thing and just ask you, just just for fun, one mm-hmm. problem, because you get you get with people that have problems with their dogs, etc., and animals. Correct? You, you're still doing that. Well, most of what I do now is what we call light worker work, which is working on behalf of humanity for the awakening of humanity. I found my way to that through my love for animals. So. Uh huh. Oh, so you're um, not doing much. With I can that. already, I can already tell you some of what I get from Maya without you giving me anything. Like oh, one yeah? of her major. I mean, this seems quite honest, like like honestly, like um, quite um, obvious. Okay, two big things. Number one is she's showing me these like mountainous, um, snow-capped mountains. But that is not what she led in with. So I'm going to come back to that because I know it's relevant and important. Mm. And I know she wants me to say something about this, but that's it's like travels to, it's almost like Tibet or mountainous travels over snow-capped mountains. But that mm. maybe means something to you already, but that's not what she led in with. What she led in with was, I'm here. This is the part that seems quite obvious to me, based even on our conversation. I'm here to help facilitate my father work through and she does refer to you as her father some of his own shadow parts that he has not reconciled and to some degree these are things with the divine feminine his own imbalance related to this uh which he is not fully aware of himself Hmm. in spite of the fact that he is a highly conscious being and it is she says, this is my great pleasure and great joy to be with him. There's no accidents, as you well know. I'm extremely happy and grateful to be sharing space and time with him. And to highlight, and there's another image she's giving me too, which is like, um, okay, but I'll come back to that just a minute. This is like more directly her consciousness to, to highlight areas where he himself has felt struggle with his own femininity. This is not a gender-related issue. This is an energy-related issue, she says, areas where he is in flow and or areas where he has been and or felt disempowered, Hmm. um, struggled with his own sense of truth. These are some of the key areas, but there are others too. But this is a theme of our connection. And also, of course, to assist him with areas from his own is linked to the linear past. So things that are unresolved in his own past. Does this make sense to you? Mm-hmm. Seems yeah. kind of obvious. Yes. Yeah. Okay. The two images. Now I'm going to go back and ask her. One was the mountains, but let me just say the other one that was shown almost like, um, uh, the image of a, the bird, like a macaw bird, if you're familiar with those kind of like mm-hmm. parrot, like they're not yeah, parrots, yeah. they're macaws. Yeah. And when I ask, why is this relevant? And I'm shown like Machu Picchu, Peru, th- this. So these two things, I don't know what they mean. So I'm going to ask her when she says these these mountains, like climbing these mountains in Tibet, and then Machu Picchu, this bird, macaw, why are these two things so relevant and I don't know you, but you are a traveler. Yes, you travel. Mm-hmm. You're, mm-hmm. You've traveled internationally, far and wide. You enjoy this travel. This is relevant for you on that level. Your concerns, um, this seems kind of obvious in a way, but your concerns about traveling 
and related to animals and your own spiritual quest, she's tapped into you Hmm. at this frequency. And she's aware of you and your experiences. And this is part of why this is being brought to light. Hmm. It's mostly for that purpose, only for you to realize how tapped into you she is and how much she is aware of what is going on in your mind and awareness and what you think about Hmm. and what's in your memory, your conscious memory of awareness. This is, she is tapped into you here. And that is why she's bringing it to the surface and to my awareness. That's how I'm translating and understanding this. Does this make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's far out. I mean, because I was. um, Why is that so far out? It seems so obvious to me. Yeah. It's. It's it's far it's not far out either, given my own understanding of how the universe works without not intellectually, but I've had direct experience. So nothing is far out. But it's still far out because I was gonna say, can you tell me why every time I take Maya for a walk and I have her on the leash and, and another dog comes by, she wants to she, you know, like pull me across the street over, you know, and I've been trying to train her for all these years. And I know she's smarter than hell. Why isn't she just going, okay, yeah, no, I won't do that. And by oh the way, God, when I, so when I take her out to the beach and so on, where you let your dogs go free, she's perfectly fine. No, that, I, I'm just, what I'm I get just, about that, I will say to you is that you have a natural inquiry to know more. This is what I hear from her. And, Your natural inquiry is her natural inquiry. She shares that energy with you. And this is why your idea of training her is irrelevant to her. She's a free spirit and she refuses to be anything other than that. Just like you, this is where you two have met energetically and why part of also why you are together. And so why would she ever let you perceive that you could train her when this is one of your commonalities that has brought you together, that you're both together to celebrate. Mm, Does that great. make sense? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm just saying I was so, uh, when I say far out, because that's where I was at in a very- <laughs> I get know, what they get. They give me what they thing. give me. Yeah, yeah, right. They give me what <laughs> they give me. That elevated the, the time, whole thing to another most, place. <laughs> okay. Well, most of the time, the animals, that's what they use me for. Like, they're not like here to say to me, I like my red ball. They're usually here like on the soul journey with their human. That's mm. that's where mm. I connect Amazing. with them. Yeah. So it's, but Amazing. I can get that stuff too from time to time. Like if I ask them, you know, do well, you like your red ball? Like the mill, be like, okay, yes, yes. Tell them I like my red ball, of course. Yes. That's what they need to hear. <laughs> or know, I need steak every day. Yeah, that's what they <laughs> okay. want. Oh okay. boy! Wow, that was so mm. cool, Lori. Oh, good. So I'm so glad. Thank you, thank you, thank yeah. you for uh, hanging out with me for this hour. Oh, it's uh, been my pleasure. I, yeah, and we'll we'll get all the connectivity to you up on the show notes. Uh, we'll make sure and. Um, yeah, do you do you have a I could you have some audio books, right? But not a um Well, you know what? People can't first of all, people can get some really magnificent content rich stuff from me if they would like to learn more about animal communication and telepathy and energy with animals and how they can help animals. Yeah. If they go to lorispania.com forward slash free gifts forward slash animals. Really good stuff there. It's not like oh, just, okay. you know, they can get that. And then, yeah, there's um, 
on Amazon, if they search my name, they'll find the eBooks, you know, right. That I was talking about there. that I saw. Yeah. Learn animal communication and telepathy and learn how to have a two-way dialogue. There's a workbook there. There's also like opening and accessing your psychic gifts and abilities. That stuff's on Amazon mm-hmm. and okay, great. there's tons of stuff on my, on my website. Okay. The website's well. it. All right. Great. Yeah. And uh, we'll get that all up there. And I'm, I thank you for being here with me and with this at Mind Rolling on Be Here Now Network. Go to BeHereNowNetwork.com where we have incredible array of teachers and thought leaders. Uh, and it's uh, wonderful again to have you. Thank you thank so much you. for having me. Thank you. Thank you, Laurie.